0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island?
2: Oh, I resign.
1: It's Jack from Cultaholic, taking over very briefly from Tom on Desert Island Graps. He's very graciously lent me his series because it's one that I really, really wanted to do because my guest this week is a very special one. He is one of the leading figures, not just in UK battle rap, but in international battle rap as well. He does his own music, he's trained as a wrestler, and most importantly for this episode, he is a proper hardcore wrestling fan. I'd like to welcome to the show shorty horror. How are you doing, man? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm not too bad. I do have to confess. We might as well just be honest with the audience.
0: Let's do that.
1: We did record a good, a good 20 or 30 minutes of, of excellent interview content. And then my mistake technologically meant that we couldn't, we couldn't keep it. But Owen, massive shout out to him. He's, he's fixed all the issues. We look good now. This one should be good. And I already know one of your matches, but we're not going to let that spoil it. Um, (laughs) How are you doing, Shotty, anyway?
0: Good, man, yeah. Really enjoying WrestleMania week. Mm I really enjoyed the two takeover shows. Um, Yeah, man, it's the best time of the year for the wrestling fans, so uh, it's good to do something like this and get involved with the the fun times of WrestleMania week. So thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And just to explain the format to anybody who doesn't know, we are taking Shotty to... A desert island and he can only take three wrestling matches with him so we're going to find out a little bit about his preferences in the world of wrestling a little bit about his own career as well and hopefully learn some very interesting stuff so first of all i just have to I, you know what we'll i might change it around this time because i now i know a little bit more about your training with the wrestling um you are way more experienced in wrestling than i personally knew so you've yeah. You've trained as a wrestler from what I understand is quite a young age, actually.
0: Yeah, my first uh, my first uh, goal at wrestling was, two th- like I say, it was like 99, 2000, totally took over by the Attitude Era. I- I'm a lifelong fan. Um, say, the first thing that I, I ever watched, I'm-, I'm pretty sure it was the uh, first Rumble. I had that on VHS. Um, and then... Hulk Hogan's Rocket Wrestling, I was just encapsulated. I was just totally taken over by this thing that was on the TV. By the time I get to my early teens, I was like, much like every other young boy that was into it at the time, I was like, that's it, I'm chasing my dreams, I'm going for it. And I ended up finding myself in Stoke at a place called GBH. And I trained under Chris Curtis first and Mark Five Star Flash. Beltram, I think his surname is. Might have watched that. Um, and was just exposed to this crazy world, man. Setting rings up and getting big scars on my legs because of it, and just like getting beat up. Uh, yeah, the boards. Like, I, I, I've got these two big, massive. Like, not They're not even that big, but they're quite prominent. Across both fires, where I was carrying this board. Uh, one of the boards of the ring, and the wood must have been so sharp, and it just right across my legs. And it's it's my two proudest scars I've got. I, I, every time I was football, that's from a wrestling ring. Now, <laughs> um, yeah.
1: one thing, one thing that I kind of realised when we were doing our own promotion at, at What Culture with WCPW was that the kind of way to feel accepted backstage amongst these wrestlers who've seen it all and everything. And it sounds so counterproductive because everyone's a huge fan. You've got to—did tr- you find this as well? You've got to try and pretend like you don't, you're not, you don't care. You're really chilled, yeah. but yeah. you're kind of freaking out at the same yeah. time. Dude. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, oh, it's a ring. Oh, this is boots, knee pads. This is real. Oh, these guys are huge. And then, yeah, you try and play it cool as well. Like, and they must be able to see it a mile off. They must see guys like us every week. Like, check this kid trying to act like he's not I'm totally blown away by this.
1: But, yeah, uh,
0: I remember one training session. Uh, we were we was about to get in the ring, and I think it was Johnny Johnny Nitro. I think it was John Morrison and Mercury Joey Mercury. It might not have been Joey. No, it wasn't. It was the other two. What was them guys? Joey Mercury and um, who was Joey Mercury's tag partner in ECW and that?
1: Oh, um, oh. I can't think off the top of my head. But them two was in the UK
0: at the time doing a Hardy Boys tribute. They was okay. earning money by just dressing as the Hardy Boys and got butlings and pontins and stuff while they were still doing the stuff. And they came and trained with us. And I remember watching them in the ring and just seeing, like, next-level stuff, like, just unbelievable stuff. Um, and then, yeah, for, for a year or two, I got, I got beat up a lot. Back mm. then, they used to just beat you up until you stopped coming, which was really <laughs> weird for a business model.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the thing they do, isn't it? Or at least was, but the business is changing gradually as we move forwards. But I feel like we, we do probably need to talk about your persona because you're obviously from a world which... I've heard people from both battle rap and from wrestling say are very similar. People who've got yeah. interest in both say that they are very similar worlds yeah. because a lot of it is around personas. And if anybody's not familiar with the world of battle rap, I feel like one of your great strengths is, I mean, you're a bit of an all-rounder. You've got the wordplay, you've got the, the performance aspect down, but yeah. a lot of it seems very... Um, I don't know the word to describe it as but you seem very raw and legitimate on stage and you're not pretending to be like American or anything you're from yeah. Manchester you're doing your thing yeah. and and that comes across a lot do you have to put that on or is that is that just kind of a a yeah, thing I mean, that comes out naturally
0: I guess it's like what some of what some of the wrestlers say it's me turned up to 100 um you know you have to you have to draw inspiration from somewhere um you know, keep keep what makes you you. And I think the best wrestlers do that as well. Um, as much as as much as it is a show and as much as everyone in there, most guys within the the battle rap circuit get on a lot. And we talked before and after the battle much like pro wrestling. Um there is a certain element where this is entertainment. People have paid money to watch it. So it needs to be larger than life. They don't want to see Joe Bloggs versus John Smith a little rhyme. And you'll find a lot a lot of uh, the newer guys in battle rap, they like to be that Joe Bloggs and John Smith um, and not really do the whole pageantry and take it up a notch. Uh, and, and it kind of doesn't work as well as it used to do. um, But yeah, I come from pro wrestling, like I say, with my life, absolutely. Above any sport, above any cartoon or anything, I was always the kid that I would drag even now, I say I was a kid, even right now, I've literally just come up one of the biggest meetings of my life and I kept dragging the conversation to pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Oh yeah, well it was it's like this, yes, we have to do it like this. And it's like, we need to shut up about macho, man. It's like but <laughs> but um yeah, I feel like that's what always gave me the upper hand is to just understand how some of my idols marketed themselves and and, and hearing the stories of how some of the conversations went with Vince or whatever and You know, trying to be a larger-than-life character that people can live vicariously through for a minute while they're watching this thing. Bit of escapism and that. Um, So, yeah, I always feel like the guys in our industry that have took pointers from the pro wrestling industry seem to excel because the parallels are so, like, there. Like, there's so many parallels.
1: There are so there are really so many parallels. You've got, I think, the same way of looking at different competitors as well. Like some yeah. guys in battle rap are good at wordplay. Some are good. Some have got a look. A look yeah. is also a thing as well. Just the yeah. same as wrestling. Some guys are, you know, workers in the ring. Some are, are charismatic guys, and I think it goes both ways quite a lot. But I feel like that's a nice way to bring us on to your first desert yeah. island match. So what are you taking on to the desert first?
0: So I. I have to go in a chronological order. No, not the chronological order. The order that um, I experienced these matches in, in my little pro wrestling fandom and my quest to be a pro wrestler at the time. So, like I was saying before, it started with rock and, uh, rock and wrestling, like the cartoon, the early Royal Rumbles, then the, the, the early WrestleManias, and British Bulldog was a huge thing to me and and you know, seeing someone from where I'm from, and stuff like that, it was super huge. I was really into it. Um, So was my big brother. And my big brother's favorite wrestler was Bret Hart. So naturally my favorite wrestler was Owen Hart. So WrestleMania 10, opening match, Owen versus Bret. That has to be the first match that I take to the desert island.
1: This is the moment. Bret Hart thought he would never see that he would actually be facing his brother. Let me ask you this, Vince McMahon, what do
2: you think is going through the minds of Helen and Stu Hart right now, huh, Huh? what do you think they're thinking? I was hoping that Stu Hart would be here. I wanted to see him here today in his orthopedic tuxedo. I wanted to see him at ringside. His orthopedic tuxedo. That's right, that's right. Look at this. I would doubt that either parent is watching this. I can't imagine that they would. And the look of intensity on the face of Owen Hart says I, it all. He has something to prove here at WrestleMania. He wants to prove to the world, and
1: I think more than that to himself, that he's a better wrestler than Bret Hart.
2: I can just say this, and- That's a
1: takedown by Owen. Bret is trying to keep so this
0: now.
2: a wrestling match. He doesn't wanna make his brother Owen any madder than he already is, because- Oh, yes. what a slap. And now the fireworks is gonna be down. Owen said it, and I think it'll come true. Bret Hart will never make it to any kind of
1: championship match today. It's a big it's a big shout. It, it's it's often remembered as the best opening match in yeah. WrestleMania history. Yeah. Obviously, which I think you might have liked at the time, Owen surprisingly got the win in that match.
0: Yeah, because i always wanted to believe that maybe I could beat my brother up. No, we not I couldn't. It will my ass every time. But <laughs> the, that that was the moment when I was like, alright, maybe I could do this. Maybe you know It gave me a chance to rebel against him a little bit. Like, oh, you're Brett, well, I'm Owen. And then Owen getting the win out of the blue as well. Like, it was just amazing. But the match leading up to that, the psychology, the story being told in that match of Owen not giving a shit, basically, and just wanting to hurt this guy like he isn't a family member. You're an opponent. Not only are you an opponent, you're someone who I hate. And Brett having this, I don't want to hit my little brother thing going on it was just amazing and at the time it, it, it was about time Owen started getting a bit of a look with him being arguably the best wrestler on the roster at the time or one of them technically um but he just didn't have at the the, uh, the 90s in the 90s it was all about big guys Owen wasn't as big Brett wasn't big Owen was even smaller um that really wasn't gonna fly I think Owen represented a lot of the little brothers
1: i would have been too young at the time but looking back i always sympathize with brett more as an yep. older brother myself yep. trying to keep the younger brother down but that, i guess that's just the way of the world and, and um and
0: funny about that the lead up to the match when you go back and look at it it's like the booking back then even not even just the booking like pro wrestling back then was uh, super toxic in like to- toxic masculinity and toxic toxic attitudes because Brett was in the wrong. You're in a tag match, bro. You're getting two on one. <laughs> like, like, why are you not tagging this world-class athlete? Regardless of him being your brother, this is a world-class athlete that can do damage. Why are you not tagging him in and getting your respite? And he just didn't. And then Owen got so mad at the end, he kicked his leg out of his leg. Like, of course. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah, damn right. That's what he should have done. But I think Brett was, in 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 terms of the story, Brett was selfish and stupid but I think a lot of that early booking was a bit like that, maybe reflective of the writer or the guy you run the company at the time or whatever, but it was just a bit weird. Like, why would you... Oh, I'm the big guy. I'm going to take on these two animals on my own. No, man.
1: It's interesting that you should say that because the first big feud that I remember as a kid was um, a few years later, Triple H and The Rock. But in my school playground... The, the way, like the law of the jungle or whatever, yeah. the cool kids were the ones who were good at football. Yeah. I'm not good at football. I wasn't one of the cool kids mm-hmm. in primary school. So I always found myself siding more with Triple H because all the lads that I wished I was as good at football as, they all loved The Rock and Austin. And I was like, yeah. well, no, I, pre- I prefer Triple H then because of yeah. that. It's weird how when you're a kid, you might be actually, in a strange way, less susceptible to like the face heel dynamic. You just go That's for true. who you like. Yeah.
0: yeah, you 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 almost find someone that you can identify with, um, someone that can represent you, which is, which was dope about the WWF in the or WWF in the early days. There was sort so many different characters and underdogs. My favorite wrestler for the longest was Tatanko, and I don't know why.
1: <laughs> Fair, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know why. Like Tatanka was my guy. I collect Tatanka posters. Like <laughs> now it's so crazy, but um there's just something about him when I was a kid that, uh, and then when I would tell my friends oh Tatanka's my best friend right? so they'd be like what the hell are you talking about, <laughs> talking about dealing with Hogan and Warrior and that here uh, like you're talking about the Tatanka but uh, no Owen spoke to me man it's like uh, uh, who, where I was in my life and stuff like that Owen spoke to me and then later on after really getting into the stuff and, and learning more becoming a, becoming a smarter to what's going on I just felt like he was one of the best performers the industry's ever seen. And that match was was perfect. And then when you hear the stories that it, it, it was supposed to be Bruce and Brett like um, convince Vince to let it be Owen because he didn't like where Owen was on the card. I think that's just amazing big brother thing to do. And yeah. it was beautiful, but the storyline was amazing. Like even the Survivor Series match where uh, Owen was the only one that got eliminated Mm -hmm. and like he's like Bruce and that like he didn't even have matching tights on like he looked like some bum like like how is he still in the match but Owen's not but as it played out it was amazing I personally I think it's one of the best feuds in pro wrestling history just because it's so relatable
1: fair enough and I feel like I should mention at this point I mentioned it in our first attempt at a recording but I'll mention it again um a lot of people will hear that you know if they're not familiar with you or the world of, of, of hip-hop or battle rap they yeah. might think well a lot of rappers pretend to be into wrestling but you are legitimately hardcore into wrestling because Super. i mentioned last time as well the the your wu-tang remix that's recently gone up on your youtube channel Your horror make sure everyone spells it right because it's got an h on the air. it'll be in the title of this it's of this, a palindrome this it's
0: just h-o-r-r-l-h horror is horror yeah. backwards yep yeah
1: um on your youtube channel you've done a wu-tang remix which is like two or th- it's three minutes long i think and, it, and mm-hmm. in it you mention everyone from stan stasia yeah. all the way up to roman reigns and in between yeah. you've got references you've got bars about bubba ray dudley you've got bars about i think sean and diesel in in yeah. the, the early 90s as well yeah like, and
0: i think it's important to know that it's not a wrestling based song that is just like my everyday <laughs> <I've got>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, it's just um we are what we eat and that's like, that's mentally as well. Or, or like the media we, we consume or so yeah, a lot of these rappers rap about money and women and that, because that's their life day to day. My life day to day is pro wrestling. Like, yeah, so, like I... that's all I can, I, I was just watching a Stan Stasiak match and now we've got to write this verse. Damn yeah, right Stan Stasiak's getting mentioned.
1: <laughs> I mean, do you find that in your in your line of work, in your, in your industry of, of rap and battle rap, are there a lot of people similar to you in that they are legitimate wrestling fans, like proper ones?
0: I'd say, there, yeah, there's a lot, but there's a there's a spectrum, I think. You'll find, like, a lot of guys in, a lot of fans in the industry, there, there's some good guys that really know the stuff. As far as the battlers go, in the UK, you've got, like, me, Frankie Fraser, or O'Shea, and whenever we're on the same card, or wherever we're, 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 we're on tour or we're on the road together or whatever. That's all the conversation is forever. Um, I, I'm, and I was really shocked and surprised at their knowledge because like you say, a lot of guys, there's this aesthetic, this retro aesthetic of mm-hmm. wrestling that's really cool, especially with like Griselda and, you know, like uh, West Side Gun, he owns HLG Wrestling and stuff. His music is very like wrestling-centric. His artwork very wrestling-centric. So, so it's like, it is a cool aesthetic at the moment as much as like, you know, because it sits there in the pocket with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, all these kind of things that growing up that people love to reference modern pop culture. Like, there's no better than the WWF or the WCW, NWO. Everyone wants to mention the NWO, but they can only tell you, they can only tell you, Hall, Nash, uh, and then what's the other guy, Hogan, whatever. Like, bro, I'm talking about Scott Norton. I'm talking about- You're
1: going deeper, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, bro. I'm talking about the five minutes that Hennig was in there,
1: and uh, like, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised that um, you mentioned there when you mentioned a few of the, the UK rappers who are big into wrestling. I've met Frankie Fraser at an indie show, I know he's yeah. into wrestling. Uh, I was surprised you mentioned O'Shea, but then I remembered I think I've seen a battle of his where he's wearing a, an NWO t shirt. Yeah, it actually says NWO. Oh, right. So he's, yeah, yeah. I see what, I see what <laughs> yeah. you're doing. Um, uh, if
0: I'll anybody. I'll give him his dues. He, he knows his stuff, man. I actually have this little game, um, cook, the, like the game show Jeopardy. I, I built this version of it where I upload all these really, you should have a go of it. I These really hard questions and I like to put two people against each other. And I actually did O'Shea versus Frankie Fraser. And O'Shea was talking about how he's the biggest Hogan guy ever. He had a Hogan t-shirt on for the thing and all that. And he got... Two Hogan questions wrong, so, <laughs> <laughs> like really easy ones. Uh, but um, some of the other knowledge has. Yes, but O'Shea is primarily WCW, and okay, he will argue till he's blue in the face that that is the best, bad and best. I, I, I kind of agree, but that was the best thing ever. Um, and you you can't say nothing bad about WCW, particularly Goldberg or Hollywood in, in front of O'Shea. He loves it.
1: Um, I mentioned there that I met, uh, I met Frankie at, a, at an indie show and it was in the Midlands. Obviously, in recent years, the kings of the Midlands independent scene in the UK have been done, seven and bait, British yeah. strongstar. And I'm pretty sure, have I seen you've, you're, you're like, you know those guys? Yeah, me and Trent are like
0: that, man. Trent, I love Trent to pieces. That's a good friend of mine. Um, I met, so myself, my friend Sean, and a rapper called FaZe, what we went to. Uh, I can't remember the first one we might have gone to together. It might have been Progress at Ali Pali. Um, And we was there and we seen Trent. And Trent was like looking kind of like funny at me. So go over and we're like, yo, can we get a picture? And there's even one of the pictures, like Trent's looking at me in the picture. So it was me (laughs) and and Tyler and stuff. And then when I go home and I tag him in it, he was like, I fucking knew it was you. I knew. (laughs) He's like, we all we all watch you. We all love your stuff type of thing. Um, and then he just kept in, inviting me. I went to all the Midlands stuff. Um, what's that Fed called he had out in the Midlands? What, it's Fight Fight Club. Or,
1: RFCP, Fight Club Pro.
0: Yeah. I went to a couple of them shows um, and watched him out there. And our relationship was built. He introduced me to Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate. Um, and then when when people see you talking to them guys, then the other guys start coming along, and yeah. Just amazing people. Like, I start when I started training, and I was because I, I trained with Sam Gradwell, Johnny Brannigan at Grand Pro Wrestling. Uh, amazing, amazing company, amazing guys. Um, obviously, Sam's in in NXT UK and that now. Mm. Um, so when I started training, Pete found out. Pete DM'd me straight away and said, "You know, we're working on our gym over here. You're welcome, to come train when lockdown's up and stuff." And he's to think- me. He's the best technical wrestler on the
1: planet right now. So, oh, fantastic! His match with Kushida was awesome. Oh, my like God. the other day. Um, he, the thing I like about Pete Dunne especially is that he can do all the pretty things that he wants to, but he makes everything feel gritty and real. He could, if he yeah. wanted to, he could go out and be like the flippiest, most aesthetically pleasing guy, but he yeah. keeps it real and grounded. And it's 100%. like I think it's such a good combination. And in the
0: little I, I progress. It was that, Prog- yeah. I think it was that progress. Uh, he was he'd wrestled, I want to say it was Eddie Dennis. Um, and then he did this whole speech about you know, Brit Ress isn't dead if this, these are the guys. It was this amazing promo. It's like, we're leaving it in good hands. He was about to go and sign his deal, but he was still very much like this heel persona and then when it comes to like the merch area and being outside all the wrestlers just went straight back to being themselves like out of the thing and pete Mm. kept that cafe going and i loved Mm. it i went yo i can have a picture bone he's like
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've seen i've seen two people do that at wcpw one was joe Hendry, who is like a good friend i think he's an amazing guy um like, that's also, not big
0: guns, is it? That's not big guns, Joe. That's the other.
1: Joe it. Henry, the one who he sings his entrance music and he does. Oh, he's, them songs yeah, he's he is great. Yeah, yeah. He's so good. Um, he uh, he was like our top heel at the time, and what? he would come out at merch and sit at a table with shades on and a suit, <laughs> and he'd have a little sign saying like, "Do not approach the champion." And he'd have like one of our ring crew stood in front of him like, "Can you just step back, please, away from it?" Was so good. That's what you want. The, o- the other one was Bubba Ray Dudley. Um, we were backstage after a show that he'd done, and he just asked me. I don't think he knew that I was, I don't know if he knew if I was Rain Crew or if I was part of running the show or anything, but he just went, Oh, can you like help me take one of my bags to the car? And I was like, Obviously, I'm going to say yes. I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to be, I'm not going to stand up to Bubba Ray Dudley. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, 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 of course I will, mate. Yeah. And I was like, wheeling his bag out with him, and we get to his car, and some guy like is a fan there. He just like he's like, oh, can I can I just have an... And before the sentence could even leave his mouth, Bubba Ray just goes, no, and just gets in the car. And I was like, like <laughs> you've left me, you've left me here to smooth things up. I'm now dealing with like the situation. The car's driven on, and I was like, but I get why he did it because I learned that a lot of the best wrestlers are the ones that put the most emphasis on storytelling and immersion and keeping oh, yeah. everything, yeah.
0: Well, look at Take a really didn't do that interview run until he, he was out of the game, man, and like possibly the best ever to do it. But yeah, I think it it adds so much more to the experience if you meet if you meet the character. Like Pete Dunne knew or was Trent had already told him, and he still did it. He still went, man. Eh. I thought, oh, I was bad. <laughs> I thought I was bad uh, a funny story about that same thing. At the time, I had I remembered not it, so I got to the point where I felt quite sick. So my friend brought me a cup of tea. So I was about to drink this cup of tea and then Keith Lee walked past. So my boy said to Keith, yo, can we get a picture? And so Keith Lee was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And then I'm literally about to sip my drink and Keith Lee grabbed me like this, Biggest man in the room, and I. He's spilled, a big man. Ba- he's a big man, <laughs> bro. I spilled a full cup of scalding hot tea down the carpet of Pete Lee.
1: Oh,
0: he did this slow, like turn around, look at me, like, and bro, <laughs> the fear of God was in me, like. But he let out this little corner smile, to let yeah. me and then I was just like, oh my god, and genuinely, I was like, All right, yeah, that that was scary.
1: I don't know how he's not. I mean, I know there was maybe some hints of maybe illness or something, but he should have had a WrestleMania program in the works from months ago. He should have yeah. been... I mean, I feel like he deserves to be in a way higher place than he is. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's such
0: a talent. I, th- I think, like, I, as we've seen with Andrade recently, it doesn't matter the level of talent you've got. This is a company that's oh. like the best guys on the planet. like, And, you know, yeah. like, there's, there's not a level of talent they've not seen at this point. So, I don't know, man. It's... Um, if I reckon if, if they've got something for you at the time, they're gonna do it. But even then things seem short lived at the minute now. It's really hard to mm. it's really hard to get invested in, in, in some stuff at the minute because of how short lived storylines are and stuff like that. And I do feel for guys like Keith Lee getting lost in the pack. But things seem to be changing now with like AEW coming and there being another option and stuff like that, which is always amazing for the business or any business for the to be other places to go and and work so uh what well, yeah keith lee put the fear of god in me a couple <laughs> of, i was i was gonna try and go and get trent on that like
1: <laughs> i was gonna ask why do you think pete was keen to get you involved do you think he saw something in like your performative aspect from the world of battle rap maybe
0: yeah i think i think there's just the intrigue of what are the promos gonna be like yeah Yeah, um, to come up with the stuff that I come up with and it doesn't have to rhyme um, gives me a lot more freedom. One of the first things I did with GPW, Johnny Branigan was so intrigued and and uh, Sam Gradwell was so intrigued to see what I would do promo. Like After, I think it was the first session, he was like, right, we're not training no more until you cut a promo on RPD. And I was like, oh, we was in RPD's gym, it's his place, amazing guy uh rpd rp davis who's like a up-and-coming guy on the indie scene in the uk former boxer um amazing guy amazing talent and he like me who's transitioning from a different profession from boxing to to Mm -hmm. pro wrestling and so i'm like doing the from music and battle rap getting into pro wrestling so these guys was was all working together to help me figure it out. So this one particular day in training, he's like, right, we're not training no more until everyone get out of the ring, you stay in the ring, cut a promo on him. And I'm from I'm from a, a, a place where we go to the knuckle. I am going to make you really want to beat me up. And <laughs> I, remember, I remember seeing Ryan's face go from smiling to like, are you taking the piss? And this is an ex-professional boxer that will whoop me. And I've I seen it hit in his face, uh, but just next to him, i seen Johnny Brannigan's face, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said to me, he said, yo, um, you're up there with Gradwell as, like, with the best promo in the UK. And it was my first promo, and I really wasn't happy with it. Like, there was so many little bits where I'm, my timing was off. first And nervous, they, they, I had, like, a, a tube of, like deodorant or something for the mic like it was like yeah yeah. it felt really weird like coming from this Yo, you gotta keep it real world to be like holding this bit of deodorant (laughs) and slacking this guy off that had been nothing but hospitable to me and they loved it and they loved it and i think that kind of um people must have spoke about that on the inside
1: well you you um i Sorry to cut you off, but I have to yeah. ask because I, I meant to ask this before actually, and I'm glad that we've done a second recording now because I get asked this now. Yeah. Um one of the battles that got me into battle rap <clears throat> in a major way, I was already kind of familiar with it, but obviously you versus Arsenal, it's yeah. one of the biggest battle it's one of the biggest rap battles in maybe not even the UK, maybe ever in, in the world, I suppose. It's it's on a crazy it's number the, of views.
0: It's the most viewed um English language speaking? rap battle in existence I know that's really a weird like title but, yeah, yeah. Um, there's so there's the Malaysian League uh, flip top they get crazy views
1: isn't the Russian the league Russians as well the Russians get
0: crazy views yeah. and disaster versus Oxymyron, and um, that competes with mine and Arsenal's battle but uh, they do there is parts of Arabic in there there's parts of Russian in there okay. so it can't actually be classed as like the uh, English language battles
1: so, so, as yeah, far as English-speaking battles go, number you've one. got the record for...
0: Yeah, on the planet. more than the m ones, more than anything. Arsenal awesome a Shotty Horror, it's on Shotty, let's go. Yo, <laughs> some said I wasn't going to show up. Well, that's what the talking's about. But I show up to the showdown to show off when the show's on for all of the crowd.
2: <laughs> I am here, applying fear like a 4-4 or a hawk in
0: your mouth when somebody forces you to withdraw an amount more than a mortgage and house out of your storage account. <laughs> I am fierce, like walking towards that last zombie corpse on the ground after you've used all of your rounds and you're not sure if it's down. Yes. <laughs> you are
2: scared,
0: it's unfair, that's why he has to bring his mates to portray his son John Gotti, but our name says it all, he needs an arsenal and I just need that one shot.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Even if you've never watched a rap battle in your life, I'd suggest watching Shotty Horror versus Arsenal, the first one especially, because you. This is where I was going to ask my question. You say some stuff in that battle that I was going to ask. Is it similar to promos in wrestling? Are you a bit concerned about what you're going to say? Because you say some stuff like about his background. You say mm-hmm. I'm going to be the Kryptonite to this crypt tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All this stuff about like the. Well, he put me in those- hot
0: water for that later on. He put me in real support. <laughs> in, that really? battle, in that battle, he says to me, um, oh, why don't you come to UW in New Jersey? Come to a man's league. So I say to him, in the battle, I say, book me. And he goes, I will. That was his own league. So literally, when we left that battle, we got negotiating and he booked me to battle Daylight, who is actually a, a crip. He's, uh, uh. So we we battled in Newark, New Jersey, in America. I flew out there
1: on my own. Um, oh, is, so like, do, for a bit of context, for those who don't know, Daylight, there's something about him. He's not the most imposing-looking battle rapper around. He looks fairly intimidating, but not really, not compared to some guys. But there's just this legitimacy about him. Yeah, he's a bit, un, he's a bit unhinged.
0: Well, one of them is the big, massive spawn tattoo he's got on his face. He's got the. Spawn he's got, of course,
1: <laughs> How did I forget that? He's got a face tattoo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's got this big, really like. Thick line work, spawn outline, almost Ultimate Warrior. It's like imagine having the Ultimate Warrior uh, face paint tattooed on your face. This is what he lives with. Uh, that's him. Um, so not only that, is he wears a balaclava or a ski mask in the battles, and he is he is a Crip, which are one of the most notorious gangs in the world. And so, um, basically, he books me against this Crip. So I just put and and, and I'd seen daylight. Um, like pretty much bully guys and put a balaclava or a ski mask on and get in people's faces. So I've done like three rounds of anti-crib, I'm going to (laughs) fuck you up and beat everybody up in this room stuff. I put a ski mask on and get in his face. Bro, when I got to that place, I flew out there on my own. I had this Canadian girlfriend at the time who was like, she was like a millionaire. She was like, oh, Louis Vuitton backed up and whatnot. And so she meets me there, me and her walk into this place. There was no police, there was Hells Angels policing the, the place.
1: It like, was, like WCW,
0: like Hogwild. <laughs> like Hogwild, bro. I was like, where the hell is Bishop? It was mad, bro. We walk in there. It's a sea of red and blue. Um, oh. Yeah, bro. And every head in the building just whoosh, whipped, looked at me like, some people know who I am. Most people don't know who I am. I'm just this white kid walking in. And I'm literally the, the only white kid in the area. Prior to that, I need to say this. I got to the hotel, um, and my room was on the first, like, it was in, like, the, the lobby area near the reception, and the, the guy in the reception, I went into my room, and I went to shut my door, and there was, like, honest to God, about 10 locks down the door. Oh. So I wasn't thinking, are these did these locks just keep breaking instead of fixing to putting new locks on. The guy knocks on my door and says, I I just wanted to tell you about... Uh, the protocol for this room. This room is the home invasion capital of Newark, New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) What? No wonder it was so cheap. What? Um, Every time you shut this door, you lock the door. Because it was just not far from the entrance, what these guys do is they run in. That's the first room you see. They boot the door off. They rob whoever lives there. And they'll do it again. They'll keep doing it again. So I was already uneasy. I was like, have you not got another room? No, 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 whatever. Okay, cool. My, my ride comes, picks me up, takes me to this venue. Like I say, it was Hells Angels outside. We walk in. Um, sea of red and blue separated. And the promoter comes over to me. He's like, so flustered and panicked. And he's like, I need to introduce you to someone. Because right now, you look like food. I was like, oh, my God. And bear in mind, I'm trying to keep going over my bars. I've got this really pressure cooker, stressful thing that I'm about to do. And they're like, oh, if I don't introduce you to this guy, you're probably going to die tonight. I'm like, oh, wow. So they introduced me to this guy, and he was something off Netflix. He was, <laughs> oh, my God, petrifying guy. Like, and they go, oh, he's, he's shortly. Like, bear in mind, this guy had, like, his own security pouring drinks and stuff for him, and, like, he just sat there on the table, cool bastard, just sat there, proper gangster and that shot, he said, Oh, he's a big fan of yours. And he goes, Hey, shot it. And the guy just goes, mm. Oh. oh waves me away. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? So anyway, we go on stage. I do these three rounds with daylight. And I I win. It was a real eight mile moment in the sense of I've gone up there. Everyone was slow to react at first. And then they're all like, Oh my God. And then the all these scripts are then shouting today daylight, like "Yo, he's fucking you up, he's fucking you up," <laughs> and I, I thought, I, "Yeah, I fucked him up." I, I put the ski mask on in the third round to get in his face, and I really put on this persona, like I'm the man. Inside, I was petrified. I could wait to get off the stage and get home.
1: You can't tell with you. I feel when you watch your, I mentioned off camera or off off the audio your battle where your where the light goes out in the middle yeah. of your battle and, and the, yeah. for anyone who's not seen it you're rapping, you're doing the middle of your I don't know if it's the first or the second round but you're you're in the middle of your round there's a power cut, the lights go out and have you seen that clip of Kobe Bryant where a, another player goes to fake a, a ball into his face and he, just doesn't, and he just doesn't move at all and the commentators are like that's the play of the game He's, yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was kind of like that because you don't you can't tell when you yeah. say that you're nervous inside I think it must be one of the biggest assets to a to a battle rapper is the ability to seem unfazed because yeah. you just keep going in the, in it's dark and you were mentioning yeah. how even your bars were referring to turning the lights out or something like that
0: literally the the second that I said I can't remember the setup but I know the line was as soon as I out your lights and I know as soon as this interview's finished, I'll remember the full line, but I said, "Soon <laughs> light, out your lights. And the lights went out and the whole, it took the crowd like two seconds to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa what just happened? It was like divine intervention moment. And everyone was, even the promoter, was adamant that I had slipped someone some money in the back and had them switch the light for that. And he's like, no, how unnecessary, how unnecessary would that be? But that battle was actually against Nestle in front of Drake. Um, Drake was hosting the battle. That was the first battle of mine that Drake had hosted. Um and I'd won on on like ability on everything, but they they had these weird new mics. There was like these long mics and they were stationed just above us. What I didn't realize, I was quite far away from the mics and my opponent was directly underneath both mics. So me with my British accent, the judges couldn't understand anything I was saying. Uh. So they gave the battle to Nestle, but Nestle stopped and was like, "Nah, he won that. You he, he, he can't. That's a moment in battle rap history. The lights went out. Like you can't. This is he won." I thought it was awesome. So shout out to Nestle. Shout out to Drake
1: for that. I'm sure we'll get on to more more stuff involving your battle rap career and your music later on, but I do have to stay faithful to the format. Yeah, more than Island. That, absolutely, and it's a match. Well, if you're keeping it the same as as our first attempt. Then it's a match that I've heard you talk very passionately about, but what is your second match that we're taking on to the island?
0: The second match is Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid, April 21st, 1983.
2: Tiger mask に、免疫 New Japan Pro Wrestling is the
0: WWF or uh, um, NWA um, Junior Heavyweight Championship. These guys had a series of 7 matches. It was 6 1 to Tiger Mask. But this was the peak. This was the apex. And I I said it before. I think it was like the Mona Lisa, the Venus, the Milo of wrestling for me. This was it. Like the psychology was there. The stuff was really driven in, was nailed in. Like it looked so painful, and stiff, everything. But you knew they were safe. The uh, slow building crescendo of the match mixed with all this new, innovative, crazy stuff that uh, this is happening before Hulkamania. And it's like, and they're doing stuff the Young Bucks would do, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah, so yeah. crazy. It's like, you could turn the channel over and Andre would be on. But these two guys, Tom Billing, a Dynamite Kid, and uh, Tiger Mask, um, they just put on an absolute clinic. And I have this this uh, relationship with this thing because this was, because of this match and because of this tape was the first time I got a receipt or I got stiff. Right. Um, so I was training at the time under Chris Curtis, like I said, five star flash. And these times you had to spend uh, hundreds of pounds to get certain tapes. It was the internet wasn't. It was in its infancy. It wasn't that big, but well, it was big. But you didn't have access to pro wrestling like we do now, where you could just go find something and get it. You'd have to go to tape collectors. You'd have to go to little places. And um, my. my trainer at the time he saw something in me where he really wanted me to work the tiger mask dynamite style um, so he lent me this super expensive tape on the premise that I would give it him back next week <laughs> I'm already
1: <laughs> nervous I'm already worried about this story
0: <laughs> and I didn't, I, I didn't go training for a year um, I emailed him like hey man I got your tape when I come to tra- I'm gonna. this is a year later I'm like hey man I got that tape, sorry about everything, life got in the way Can I come train again? He's like, yeah, of course, come train, no problem. He played it so cool. Yeah, it'd be great to see you. I go there, he so Mark, whose tape it was, he asks the head coach, Chris, like, can I get Adam in the ring and work over some stuff? Oh my god, and here's me, green as goose turd, like, yeah, bro, let's get in the ring. I'm gonna get to run the rope, we get to bump properly and stuff like that. And I got beat up, like really beat up for five minutes. And I remember this like X Pac two kicks to the head and a spin kick to the chin thing and it busted my lip chipped my tooth and he was like I was like tell me afterwards I'm just a kid Uh, and then Chris was like right that's it you've had enough. you've got your revenge everyone back in line and I was like revenge he's like yeah that's the fucking tiger mask tape you bastard like I was like it's in my bag bro giving the tiger mask tape um but then our relationship got great from there like they really saw something in me man I used to bump ferociously I'd get down on the mat really hard make the biggest noise I could make. And a lot of the other lads in, in training didn't do that. And I was I was 13, 14 at the time, um, really enjoying it. But this match, the stuff that was in this match, collar and elbow to wrist lock to hammer lock to drop toe hold in, in like half a second, like Tiger Man, yeah. one of the most underrated guys ever.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I've mentioned to you before the... Um the way that people don't you you will have a very different appreciation of wrestling that I do because you've done more of it. You've you've trained and you're currently still looking at training as well. Um uh, and and from just little bits and pieces that I've done, like getting super kicked by Will Ospreay, which is still a surreal sentence to come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. But but you barely it if you watch the footage, it looks like he takes my abs my, like takes my head off. Yeah. But in truth, I barely felt it because yep. What I think this this ties in nicely with the Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid match. What a lot of people don't understand about wrestlers is the control, the body control is surreal. Like with top level wrestlers, it's insane what they can do in in terms of restraint and pulling their punches and stuff.
0: Hundred percent. And I didn't even know. I didn't realize that at the time when I was, you know, training with them guys. Like I said, it was bully culture, so they they wasn't really pulling punches. They was beating us right. up and trying to make see who really loved this sport enough to stick about after that and I did to an extent um, but then later on training under Sam Gradwell and Johnny Brannigan and getting in the ring with Gradwell running spots and have him looking like he's beating the shit out of me and not feeling hardly anything you feel the strikes the strikes are there mm-hmm. you understand and then you come on with the little bruises on the collarbones and stuff like that and pain and you're stiff and that the next day but when it comes to moves and locks and headlocks and stuff I was saying me and my friend who I train with Sean um, you know we, at first we was really locking them headlocks in and you know the wrist locks we was really like putting a bit on it and he was like you just you guys are blowing each other up you're hurting each other you're going to cause each other injury but you're blowing each other up you're gassed after like three minutes and this is because of the amount of, of pressure you're applying so then he was like right let i'll run the same spot with you and he ran the spot with me and honest to god like you say the body control and i said to him there and then i said that's that's a professional wrestler the guys i used to train with you, you know you can learn that in mums what Gradwell does what johnny Brannigan does what rpd does and these guys it's Unbelievable! The body control is unbelievable, and um, safe workers like that are, are gonna prolong careers yeah. a lot longer. And unbelievable—it's it's like you, said, you have to—you uh, have to experience it to understand that mm. it's such an inside skill that the the masses—you—you—they really should get the praises from the masses from that. But then that's counterintuitive and oxymoronic of what. They're doing. You don't want to go. Oh, I really don't hurt, guys. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. You want
0: to go? I hurt, guys.
1: There's like a real duality between what your men present externally and what is actually respected internally, and it's yeah. almost totally different. It's so surreal. But the, but, the, the yeah. internal
0: thing, much like yourself, the internal thing is what intrigues me more. Mm. The internal thing, like that, like taking a super kick off Will Osprey. The practice it would take for Will Osprey not to hurt you. But for yeah. someone to think he is hurting, it's it's almost like it's it's a it's an unrewarded skill. We don't we don't say to someone or oh, he he doesn't hurt him, they do on the inside, but it's such a it's such an amazing, unique art form um that that these guys do, man. I mean yeah, goes off to them and even more so when once I got in there. Like just the simple things like taking a bump's cool, but try taking a bump off a clothesline when a guy's right next to you. Yeah. Right on your where did your arm go? Where did you where did you, mm-hmm. what do you do? So many little tiny nuances which are which are amazing. So going back and watch that Di- Dynamite and Tiger match, match and you see what they're doing in there and to think, you know, maybe this isn't as stiff as it looks, they're artists.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I feel like as well the the intriguing thing about when you get in there and not that i've done loads of different things or anything like that but you get a sense that you're in over your head but then it's the it's the kind of the the growing realization that no i'm not in over my head i can learn to do this but it's definitely a very difficult skill to learn and it definitely needs more respect but that brings me on to like feeling over i was gonna the theme i was gonna try and expand upon was feeling over your head because you've done things in music that i can't really begin to fathom you've as you say you've battled in front of drake who I believe was quite a fan of Oh of Yeah, the he's, yeah
0: after that, he brought me back again. He, um, at one point, me and Hitman Hollow were his favourite rap battlers in the world. Everyone knows the love Drake has for British culture and battle rap, so I'm kind of the, the, the two things in one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Drake's flown me out to battle Hitman. Um, little small funny story about that, actually, is Dr- um, <laughs> press conference the night before, and I went... Conor, it was Conor McGregor wild. The world was Conor McGregor wild, right? So, again, because of the wrestling, I know. Play the part. Play the part you can play. Be who you can be. Now, to all these Americans, I sound Irish. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to the press conference. It's a proper. It, it's all panels. And it's on YouTube. Uh, type in Shotty Hitman Hollow press conference. I'm there, oh, no, sorry, the the suit was the Arsenal one, but there I was there in the the Hitman Hollow one, I'm all giving it all the McGregors and all that, really putting over, trying to get more tickets sold, trying to get more pay-per-view sold. Um, And Hitman Hollow turns to me and goes, well, yeah, if you're so confident, put 10,000 on it. I'm like, (laughs) broke. (laughs) I've just been giving it the big and like, I am the man. And at the time I was broke and he's like, you put 10,000 on it. Oh my God, my soul left my body. They're waiting on a sentence, and the only sentence I can say, I, I've got a choice of okay or uh, no. And if I say no in the battle rap world, they're like, they're gonna be like, you're broke, get out of here, and that's gonna be his content the next day. Drake seen the look in my eye, and Drake went, no, 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 I'll give the winner 10k.
1: Uh. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. I
0: was like, yeah, go on, then I'll do, that. I'll do that. So the next day is the event. Um, Drake sh- shows up with Hitman Holler, and oh, it, it is James this James
1: Drone- be- was this before Hitman was uh, was on like Wild Now, yeah, and was like a mainstream name. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: So, but in in our world, in Battle Rap world, he was God. He was the coolest. Right. He was the man. Um, and m- m- mine and his styles were so similar. Really aggressive, um, in your face, but like you know, a lot of people likened us to each other um so yeah james johnson <laughs> played for the toronto raptors and he's there he's got all these big chains on and stuff he shows up with hitman hollow um and we're on the stage and, and hitman's known to to like bring a gimmick out like he'll bring a guy out on stage to do something or there'll be some kind of and at the time i was living in toronto and i had a lot of like friends who were notorious gang members or whatnot and People knew that my backing in Toronto was, like, significant, right? You really couldn't mess with me in Toronto because we want not know and stuff. So as we're on stage, this guy comes and gets up on stage, and he goes, Keel Strip, fuck all y'all. And Keel Strip, Keel is a place in Toronto. So he gets on the stage, and he's, like, basically tells us all to fuck off. And I'm stood there looking at him, and I'm thinking, this is one of Hitman's gimmicks. And Hitman's looking at him thinking, this is shot his gimmick. Oh my! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is this guy chaos in shoes bear in mind there's 10k on the line Drake's in the crowd with honest to god someone that looked like he ate Dave Batista for breakfast that morning <laughs> this guy was juiced to the gills bro he was a genetic freak to quote the big bad booty daddy he's absolutely mampy out of his head and Drake sat there with him this guy comes up kicks off and then Hitman Holler punches him, throws him off the stage, and it's real at this point. He, like, beat this guy up. But once this guy comes off the stage and hits the floor, he gets up and looks directly at me like, Hogan, you! (laughs) He's he's coming at me, and I was the one behaving. I'm like, what the hell? Comes at me, and it's all on YouTube. I football kicks him in the face. Knocked the guy out. Someone else woke him up with a punch. So, anyway... And Deadmau5 was there, I was like, this was the first event I took Deadmau5 to, it was all awkward. And then, so, a few hours later, my friend Tycoon Tax, who's one of the battlers out there, he he comes in and he goes, yo, there's hella guys outside asking for Shotty, and uh, and Arsenal, and all these rappers, and all these guys, all these big gangster rappers, was in the back, taking the chains off,
1: hiding the chains, and hiding... Me, it's like it's like Sean getting out of Montreal. This yes, sounds this, this is, is really it, bro. Fun.
0: So, but but I've had a drink, and I'm, at this point, I've had a drink, I've just won a battle, and I'm with one of my friends from Salford. So, we give it the absolute mankillion oh, come on, then. <laughs> and we think all these big hard gangster battle rappers are going to come with us. And it was such a it was snowing, it was crazy snowing, and we leg it out there, come on, then, let's have it <laughs> turn around none of them came with us. (laughs) It it was me, my friend, or my my, my former friend, and James Johnson of the NBA, of the Toronto Raptors, and he was down with it. He was ready to scrap with us. He was like, you're some real dudes, man, you're some real dudes. like, holy crap, this is crazy. Um, But Drake beelined and got the hell out of there and never gave me my 10 grand.
1: Oh, man.
0: But he saved me the embarrassment of me saying that I don't have 10 grand.
1: dead mouse who obviously you've collaborated with in the past uh you've also i believe collaborated with james arthur as well on a track um you you've done a lot of different things so this brings me to the special sort of before we get to your third and final match the kind of special little mini segment of desert island grabs where we get you to take also not just three wrestling matches but you get one album one movie and one luxury item can be anything so I'm gonna. I feel like it's only right to go album with you first as a musician, but I'm guessing there's quite a lot of choice to be made here. I'm gonna go
0: with WWF The Music Volume
1: Four. Wait, no, I wasn't expecting this at all. I was expecting like Illmatic or like something, (laughs) something really hip hop. I don't know what's happened here.
0: On the island, dude. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need a backyard bed. I'm gonna need an island bed. (laughs) (laughs) What am I gonna come out to?
1: (laughs) Like okay. Of course, I'm coming
0: out. Of course, I'm coming out to. Sexual chocolate, Mark Henry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. This isn't my selection. <laughs> oh, thank God. I was really concerned. I
1: was like, yes, I'm interviewing a rapper. He's going to have some great ideas here. And then you came out with that. <laughs> no disrespect to Jim Johnson. No. One, of the most under, one of the most underrated people in WWE history. And, and but... music production. Oh, like, man.
0: Just yeah. As, as a musician, like that guy. I remember watching one piece on him when he was talking about, he writes riffs off the basis of the way a man walks. And if you yeah. think about it, the cane, like the whole cane, just everything is like, he was amazing. I don't know why he start working with him. But my album would probably be, hmm, I'm going to say Capital Punishment by Big Pun. Okay. I can listen to that top to bottom. That's me being a rapper, rapper though, like, I don't know. Like Oh, God, this is a tough one
1: it is I I was gonna say because when I did this series with Tom the normal host I went because I didn't grow up I got into like hip-hop and rap and stuff later on the first genre that I was into was like punk rock so mine was a Green Day album but you've you've also like Incorporated a bit of rock into your like Shoot yeah. Hill, which check yeah. out everyone. It's 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 one of your bigger songs I think on YouTube. It blew up yeah, quite a on bit.
0: Spotify. That album did really well. We got a deal with Sony from that album. Um, I'm working on a follow up rock and roll album now. But rock mm. and roll and metal uh, has always been a part of my life. Uh, again, because of wrestling. Like you know, you come up with wrestling, especially the attitude era. It was all heavy guitar based. Or not to mention the fact that I'm from Manchester. Uh, oasis stone roses happy mondays joy division it's like just integrated into our, our culture and who we are and how we express ourselves massive arctic monkeys fan as you can probably tell with that album um yeah man it's just heavy music all music i love all all music man like um that you'll be hard pressed to, oh except for dunk I don't like Donk and shit like that
1: <laughs> was that a Northwestern? was that a northwest thing as well no no <laughs> no, no was it was not alright I'm sorry I'm even very if it was I'm not, we're
0: not claiming it even if it was
1: okay okay. <laughs> I
0: don't know no um. Oh, do you know what I'm going to be honest as well like um, I can't always because we've, we've got to take it to a the concept here as well like um, I'm on a desert island and this is going to piss some people off Rap can annoy me after a bit. Okay. Because it's my job. And because, do you know what I mean? Like, I want a bit of escapism. I want to listen to something that I can't do or I admire. So, oh, God. Do you know what? I'm going to say, uh... I'm going to have to say, what's the story of mine? Uh, No, uh, definitely maybe. I'm going to have to say, definitely. Right. Definitely maybe. You, you just it's can classic. sing, to your heart's content, and just have a buzz.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you've stayed true to your roots there as well, with Manchester. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, did you say you were from Salford?
0: No, I'm from Manchester. The I was going to say, you had, a,
1: you had a mate from Salford. Right, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. I was going to say, is that not the wrong territory? But fair enough. No, yeah, I'm, um, I'm
0: a Harper A Manchester, hardcore Man City fan, an ambassador for Man City. They play, like, I I have a good like relationship and job with Man City true mank blue as mank as you can imagine that's me fair play yeah.
1: um what's the next one movie you've got to pick one movie to take onto the desert island
0: scarface
1: <clears throat> scarface fair yeah that's more of a rapper choice that's more what i was expecting <laughs> yeah.
0: scarface instantly. Uh, what
1: just, is it about scarface
0: just everything um the rags to riches story i'm from i'm from an impoverished area and stuff like that and like um to see someone you know go over to the states um and climb up the ladder in the only way that was allowed to him and then the self-destruction and stuff i've seen it so much in my life with people around me and stuff and at one point i was a bit naughty and i was being naughty so there's loads of stuff i can relate to and then there's a there's also it's just like it was just it was just like one of the one of a kind like miami looked beautiful in there like just pacino is absolutely amazing in it um some of the most iconic scenes in movie history in there and i also think it's a comedy it's a horror it's a gangster movie it's a romance it's a tragedy it's it's just it's amazing the the way it's wrote and stuff nothing's nothing's too convoluted and nothing nothing's too like oh no that wouldn't happen it just uh besides the bit when he takes a thousand bullets and yeah. the, <laughs> the excuses oh he's had a bit of beak like <laughs> yeah. yeah besides that he
1: had, it had a lot of it. he had a lot of it though there yeah he had a lot of it. it all around and i love the fair.
0: video game though when playstation came out with the video game is if, oh. if he didn't die is if he turned around and he got the guy i thought that was awesome
1: yeah yeah oh i've forgotten all about that. that's quite a forgotten game as well yeah man it was so yeah. funny
0: it was like grand... it was like what graphic thought would turn into because you could buy you could go to islands and do all this smuggling and it was really customizable but amazing and yeah scarface is one of them things but i'm like oh i haven't watched scarface this month and i'll make sure i watch it i just love it <laughs> yeah a line for line and the music the soundtrack oh my god hmm. amazing
1: um, and finally, we've got a luxury item. Now, some people choose practical things. Some people go for like, oh, I'll take like toilet roll or like a bed. Um, I went for a guitar. Some people go for like a book or it can be anything you want. But um, what would yours be?
0: Luxury item. I like yours guitar because you're going to get to occupy your mind and learn something and get exactly. better and find a skill. Yeah. to get. I think it would be something like that. Um my luxury item would be um I was gonna say a ball, but Tom Hanks did that, didn't it? Um Oh yeah, but a volleyball <laughs> though.
1: You can do a football if you want.
0: I could do a football. Go on then, I'll do a I'll do a football.
1: Fair play. Yeah. Um as as Man City been a since birth. Oh, like no oh, choice. Yeah, i yeah. You just
0: love them to my family, it's not a no choice thing. My family are all Reds, but I wasn't. Well, not all my family. A proportion of my family are Reds. I wasn't into football. When I was very little, I didn't get it. It was boring watching. Like they, they would watch United and you know, It was boring. But there were certain parts of my family that was in the city, and when I, when I was about four or something, I see Man City, and I was just, I was blown away by it, and that was it. Like,
1: and oh, cool. I mean, I can only imagine as a Sunderland fan what it feels like now because you've gone through them through all the highs and lows, yeah. and now finally in the past sort of decade or so, they're actually sick. And I don't know what's that like, then,
0: Oh bro. We could go right back down to Division Two now, and I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. We've you've done it. Wildest, this is my wildest dream, bro. Like I could not imagine. I, I still, I'm still pinching myself from the Rubino signing. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't yeah, believe you it, know. bro. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I was there. Five pound a ticket, Main Road, fifty p a pie. Just absolute get getting hammered off Sunderland, getting hammered off everyone like. Yes, I, do, I went to a game and got hammered off Southampton, like four or five mil, and I was just like, I loved it. I just loved this team. Like, um, yeah, man. I, I always the, like let we go back to Owen and stuff. But I always like the underdog and stuff.
1: I mean he, not the underdog your team, anymore <laughs> well your, I was going to say your team broke my heart in the um, the 2014 League Cup final yeah it's where Barini took the lead for us and I loved Barini he was like my guy I don't know what it was about him he just he wasn't the best but he just grafted he tried so hard yeah. all the time and he was on loan he wasn't even our player where was and he on where did you get him from Liverpool, Liverpool. Right,
0: yeah. but,
1: but then he I think he signed for us permanently a little bit later on but He's off in like Turkey or somewhere now. But um, then Yaya Torre just looped one up somehow. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what happened. It was. It was. A, it was one of them. It was like a proper gut punch. Yeah. And afterwards, because I was at, at uni and I was in like the uni, the college bar, and all my mates were around and stuff. Didn't cry. I wanted to so bad. I was like, no, I'm gonna hold it in. Just had a pint. And because I never cried, I'm waiting for the day when it finally hits me, and I'm just in the middle of the shops or somewhere. And I'm just like, no, I can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I cried. my first one for that was a guy
0: Southgate missing a penalty or on 96. I cried for oh. like two days, man. Like, I cried, I, I cried like we lost someone. Unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a funny old it's sport, stupid.
1: it's stupid what it does to us, but yes, um, that's for all the Americans listening because our audience has quite a bit of Americans, they will have no idea what we've just talked about. <laughs> Sorry, but, guys. Um, but we do have to get on finally to your third and final match to take on to the Desert islands. So what are you going for?
0: Um, I am going to go with the Cat versus Trishna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is without a doubt my favorite wrestling match ever. This blew my mind and I feel like this match shaped what wrestling is today, like what Jim Clarnett hates, but it's this was it done right. Five more minutes, Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn at Living Dangerously 99, the best thing I've ever seen in a squared circle.
1: According to feedback I've gotten at ecwwrestling.com,
2: the fans seem to think this is going to be a walkthrough for Rob Van Damme. that it's money in the bank, that it's a foregone conclusion that Van Dam is leaving Asbury Park, New Jersey as a double champion, still with the world television title belt in tow. I, however, would like to make a bold prediction.
1: I feel that Jerry Lynn is going to seize the moment and that tonight,
2: live on pay-per-view, ECW living dangerously is Jerry Lynn's night. Tonight, he grabs the brass ring. Tonight, we crown Jerry Lynn the ECW world television champion.
1: A lot of people in this series pick ECW stuff, Yeah. and a lot of people pick Awesome Tanaka. And I feel like, in a different way, but with a similar spirit behind it, I feel like Lane and RVD is a similar sort of thing. Why do you, what do you think it is about that that sort of ECW appeal?
0: They just them two particular matches, uh, their matchups, I should say, Van Damme and Lane are awesome and Tanaka. They just hit that center point of it being amazing technically the story is building correct in the ring the athleticism is unbelievable um, and then you get that sharp hit of a unbelievably stiff chair shot which bends the chair in half and you just don't know where to go it's not garbage wrestling the chairs are used in them particular matches the chair shots are the big, the big things like that they're used at the right time Whereas people who didn't watch ECW, because growing up, that was my favorite company.
1: Right. People who
0: didn't watch ECW, they remember it as this garbage fed because the logo had barbed wire in it. and because. But this is a company that had Candido, Lance Storm, RVD, Jerry Lynn, Nova. Nova was the most innovative wrestler ever. Nova was God to me. I remember seeing Nova doing a DDT and a stunner at the same time. I was... and. You have to take it into the context of the time. It was just unbelievable. Roll kill, Danny Doran, um, Chris Chetti, um, Taz. I'm the biggest Taz Mark in the world. Right. For the for the purpose of the audio, I'm showing Jack my FTW T-shirt. I have, the, <laughs> I, I, yo, Joey Styles, like he, the one man commentary team. You can't beat him. Like that was to me. That was just the that just encapsulated everything. It was like. It was Nirvana. It was punk rock and roll. It was perfect, man. And and we all know that WCW and WWE changed their whole identity because of this little, small, rebellious company. But that particular match, Van Damme and Jerry Lynn, of of the series, that one, uh, Living Dangerously 99, it was amazing because these guys are stalemating each other. They're just as good as each other. Lynn's just as good as Van Damme, the story is. But is overlooked. The fans will always rather Rob Van Damme. And so, and Van Damme had Fonzie there with the whistle, Larger Than Life. Every exchange they have, Van Damme wants to turn to the crowd for the adulation and be like, I'm the man, look what I can do. And, it, and bro, he would. I, I timed one of them. It was like four minutes until he got back, until he had another move. He's like, <laughs> he's showboating, he's hotdogging and grandstanding for four minutes and it's like, but I'm so entertained because I agree you are the best on the planet and I love you to bits, but I also want Jerry Lynn to beat your ass. And it's like anyone else, like you have these signature moves. Everyone has these five or six signature moves in the match. And every time Van Damme was doing his Lin had an answer that we'd not seen before. I remember one where I think Van Damme went to hit Lynn with the chair and he ducked and then, Lynn like, came out and fucking jumped and just, like, famous slash leg drop Van Damme straight onto the chair. There was a piece when he threw him into the turnbuckle and then jumped onto the, set, the ropes at the side and did, like, this cartwheel sunset flip onto the chair. Just beautiful. And I think they told the story of one-upsmanship so much. And then, again, they would hit us with crazy chair shots or them, like, beautiful, like, spinning leg drops from the apron to the to the uh, barrier and stuff like that, um, just beautiful. No one could sell like Van Dam. Like, then implant DDTs and he would go like a lamppost in the floor. And I don't think anyone could. No. Nope. Before Lynn, I don't know if people might not remember this. Before Lynn, the series was Van Dam Sabu. Um, the stretcher match when the ring broke and you know it was amazing. But then. The Lynn stuff really turned it up a notch. And they would they would do stuff and they would cancel each other out. It would be like, then they would nip up and then they would face each other with the, the stalemate stance. And it, they call it spot monkeying and that, whatever. But they wasn't really spot monkeys because there was so much psychology in it. Like Rob's just that little fraction better than Jerry. But in this match, he's coming undone. And the crowd start to call him, because Rob was the whole effing show. And then the crowds start calling Jerry the new effing show. And then the match runs to a time limit finish. And then Jerry Lynn, and that's like, no, five more minutes. And the whole ECW arena, five more minutes. Boom, 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 boom. boom. 15, 16-year-old me. Fuck <laughs> the fuck out, bro. John
1: How did you first watch it was it a tape was it a trade or... the
0: coliseum mm. in manchester i have to give a shout out to this guy because this guy ended up becoming a music promoter for a bar called ruby lounge in manchester and he booked me a lot um i was truant in school and i used to wag school a lot and i would take the bus go right past school go to the city <laughs> center of manchester and i'll go to this wrestling shop in the coliseum and I would just pretend I was browsing the shelves that long, but like the whole day. As a kid, yeah. yeah when I yeah, look yeah. back, like as a kid, I thought oh, he's not, no, know- he's not going to notice. I'm just going to wag it in here. <laughs> but then when I look back, it's like, yo, I used to stand in that guy's shop for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to Mike because Mike got savvy to it at one point, and he was like, look, if you're just going to stand in here, yeah, you're going to have to help out. And I remember going in there, and there was um this crazy FMW poster. And I was so intrigued with Mike Awesome, but he wasn't Mike Awesome. He was the Gladiator. Okay. He looked like Hulton the Warrior. He had the face paint. He had the mullet. He was jacked. And then there was this other mask, Hayabusa. Mm. Hayabusa. So I got asking about who are these people, and he was like, um, "Oh, this is FMW in Japan. It's like ECW." And I was like, "What's ECW?" It's like right, oh. right. And that was it for me. And then he was like, "Yo, yeah. you do that when you come here." You put these toys on the shelf. You do this. You put, because you had all these signed pictures and stuff, you put these in order. Never serve anyone, but I'll pay you in tapes. And so I got paid in ECW tapes, FMW tapes, um Hammerlock tapes, um, you name it. I was like, the NWA, everything. The minute I realized WWF and WCW wasn't the be all and end all of wrestling, that was it for me then. All Japan, New Japan, FMW, ECW, but ECW just overrode it, and it was. Do you ever remember? Um, I think it was the the Dudleys. I can't remember who they were facing, but they had the, the 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 hottest promo ever. It was in the oh, ring,
1: and he was the heel promo. Yeah,
0: and he was spitting in this girl's face and like, I fuck yeah, you, and yeah. your daughter, and all this like bubba, yeah. a heel bubba in ECW
1: he's nearly he's nearly starting a riot like people are oh, trying to get at him over the thing yeah, they yeah
0: unbelievable and i was like okay you know just just coming from this child like me, child dog and he's larger than life like these types of characters like hogan and macho and all these types of guys to then me finding girls and, and all this type of shit and ecw was like it was like growing up with me like i was growing up with wrestling and so ECW yeah. was like this teenage thing where it's like, oh, fuck WWF, Road Dogg, Geek and all that type of shit. <laughs> like, what do you know about Just Incredible? Who, <laughs> Like Yeah, ECW is everything to me. And that match just epitomized ECW because I think it's misremembered because I think the victors write the history. And I think WWE would like you to think that ECW was hardcore trash. And that was just a small portion of what... Yeah. Like, Shane Douglas dropping the belt, dropping the NWA belt, it's just... It's so rich with history and great matches, great wrestlers. Two called Scorpio, Mikey Whitbreck. It's just the best thing ever. And I think that match was just the cherry on the top of that, that company.
1: It's a great answer. So we've got a big collection of matches there. We've got Brett Owen yeah. from WrestleMania 10. We've got Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid... And we've got RVD, Jerry Lynn. Uh, just to round off the interview, I suppose, I was going to ask, because when I, because as people might have been able to tell from this interview, I I, I am a fan of Battle Rap, which is what you made your name in. Initially. You
0: know your stuff, bro. I,
1: a little was, bit, a little bit. You,
0: know your, you really know your stuff, bro.
1: A, a little bit here and there. But um, <clears throat> I was going to ask you what, one, if you could pick like one moment from your battle rap career, because when I think of you, I think of there's a moment in that battle with Arsenal yeah. in London, where any fans of UK Grime will know Getz, and you, you spit a bar and Getz is up in the, like, the, like the balcony or something yeah. and he just like he just reacts he's like, like he's he starts like hammering on the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, but, you say that as well. But Rizzle thing.
0: kicks was there. There was a lot of people there, like um, that was just exposed that had just been exposed to this thing. And um, yeah, I don't think gets realized that level of lyricism was was on the market in the UK because he was genuinely blown away. I could see it in him, and like he was my idol, man. Like 2000 and life and all this, like all them early mixtapes. He was the man to me, so for him to react to me like that, it was so crazy. And then we got a, a good friendship from there. But I'd say personally, my my most goosebump like uh, chill raising moment ever was my return back against Tony D. I'd been out the game for four years. I came back against Tony D. We sold the ritz out together. It was it was it was an all UK card. It was Manchester versus London tony's one of my good mates in the scene uh like my counterpart it's like brett and sean in the yeah. uk
1: battle rap game or austin rock we and you've got kind of different styles as well yeah so yeah which well. just
0: seems to work together like you know bulldog brett like i make the jerry lynn rob van damme we we just like it was yin and yang and it just worked and everything I'm just the stars aligned but um at that point, that some said I wasn't going to show up, it wasn't a it wasn't a big catchphrase, but I was trying to work it in as a big catchphrase. And I'd been four years on the couch, and I, I, I come back, the arena's sold out. There's like 1,400 people there, which is it's unheard of for like UK battle rap, and we we broke all these records and stuff just off me and him. And I go there, and I said, "Some said I wasn't going to show up," and then the whole 1,400 people. Well, that's what the talk was about. I had, and they, they've been, and I, for a second I forgot all my rounds. I wanted to cry, <laughs> bro. I wanted to cry. This is what I dreamed of. This was. I was like, oh my! And then I was like, getting up so, figure it out, boom. And I had this classic with him, with one of my best friends in that scene, and like it's known as the best UK battle of all time. And no matter what happens in my career, I sold the Ritz out with a good friend of mine, and we put on a classic. No matter who you think won, and that. Them saying that back, I felt like The Rock when he said, the millions millions. I yeah. just, I'm such a mark for all that kind of stuff. So to finally have <laughs> that feeling, it was it was, it was amazing and I'll, that'll live with me forever. That.
1: I mean, that's a fantastic way to round it off. Shotty Horror, thank you so much for being on Desert Island Grabs. What you. have you got planned for the future? Oh, no problem at all, man. It's been my pleasure. But what have you got coming in the future and where can we find you online?
0: Um. So all my socials are at Shotty Horror. That's at S H O T T Y H O R R O H. Um, Please follow Premier Battles on. That's my company. We we run rap battles and stuff. Um, I got a new album. Well, I got an EP coming up with my best friend Bison Briggs called The Legion of Doom. (laughs) (laughs) The artwork is literally just Legion of Doom, and we have songs on there like. Um, well, like they're just all named after wrestlers. Every song and every verse is just hella wrestling centric. So, if you're a wrestling fan, which you are because you're listening to this, and you're a rap fan, make sure you get that Legion of Doom album. Um, we got the Ted DiBiase song on there, we got Miss Bur- Mr. Perfect, we got there's so many things on there. Um, that's coming up, and then my rock and roll album with my band will be out uh near the back end of this year, and also. Look out for me popping up in uh, an indie wrestling fed in the UK very soon Ooh. for my debut match. Okay. Um It'd be great if you could be there, Jack.
1: I'd love to come. I'd love to come. I'd love to come. What I, I will say as well is as big a fan of of both wrestling and battle rap as I've been. I've yeah. been to so many live wrestling events because we put them on. I've never been to a battle rap event. So if Premier Battle starts up again once lockdown's yeah. over and everything, I would absolutely love to and come along as bring, well.
0: please uh, bring anyone, bring as many as you want. You're our guests. Um, oh, we'll, mate. we'll look at you. So we'll much. have a good drink up. We'll watch some wrestling afterwards. I can I can shoot your ear off about how great ECW was. <laughs> but it's, it's great to finally have a chat with you, man, because we followed each other for a while. I'm a massive fan of what you do. I'm a massive fan of what all you guys do. I think everyone at Paul Holic are absolute legends. Thank
1: you so much. And thanks to everybody for listening as well. Do check out Shorty Horror. Uh, check out Premier Battles. And look out for him possibly entering the world of wrestling very soon. Thanks very much, everybody. Stay safe out there. Stay positive, And I'll see you very soon.
2: Hold up.